Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, his is Chase, and uh, our simple goal here, we've got one underlying goal, and that's to bring you the outdoors when you can't be out there yourself. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you aren't in the woods, and if you are probably should turn the podcast off and actually enjoy what you're doing out there because that should be your focus. But uh, we bring you stories, tips, tricks, interviews from all over the country in hopes that when you're stuck in the office doing the honeydew list, you have a good time. And uh, this episode today is kind of a year in review episode where, you know, as we're recording this, the year is rapidly coming to a close. We have had you know, 2020 has thrown us some serious challenges, as I'm sure it's thrown everybody some challenges. And uh, we just want to take a moment and kind of, you know, talk about how thankful we are for what we've done this year, the people who have supported us, and kind of, you know, maybe touch on some of the brighter parts because it's kind of easy to get caught in, you know, what 2020 wasn't instead of what it was. So, uh, dude, man, I, I, I kind of want to just open by saying thanks again for, for, you know, giving me another year of your time with the podcast. I know it isn't always convenient. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, uh, I enjoy doing the podcast with you. Um, it's it's a great time. I, I love uh, the guests that we have on. Um, if anything, I use it for, as a learning tool myself uh, to get better in the woods. And uh, I think that that's kind of why you started this podcast uh, was to get stories and help yourself as a hunter. Because at the time you were kind of struggling uh, on public land and stuff. And I think uh, it has also helped you uh, become a better hunter as well. So th- that's part of it. And then the whole community in itself is, uh, it's been opened up where I've got to meet uh, a bunch of different people that uh, tune into the show that support us. And uh, so far, everybody I've met has been great and um, are willing to share things. And just like our uh, Patreon group uh, that we've got established now. And we really got to give a shout out to those guys um, because they help support this show um, financially, and they're a great support system on our uh, Marco Polo group uh, that we have. Yeah, I, I mean, this sounds cheesy, and I hope you guys know how serious I am, but we really could not do it without you guys, your, your, your support. I mean, it, it doesn't uh, – operating a podcast and doing what we're doing isn't cheap. And you guys commit to, to helping, helping offset those costs so that we can grow, so that we can do what we're doing and bring you guys more content. And 
dude, you know, the, the financial component of it is huge, but man, that Marco Polo group, I have grown so fond of the community over there and everybody, uh, everybody sharing tips and tricks yesterday. I got done with an all day hunt, kind of felt a little bit, you know, weary after that. I wouldn't say defeated. That's too strong a word, but I put in a lot of effort and didn't, and only saw one deer. And, uh, just as I get in the truck and I'm just starting to allow myself feel sorry for myself, you know, here comes, here comes Brock and he's like, Hey, I got one. And the whole group lights up and everybody's excited. Not too long ago, Chris got his first, uh, first deer and a stud of a first deer I might add as well. Um, that community is just this awesome little brainstorming of, of support and ideas. And if you have a question, it's asked. And then somebody from across the country chimes in with the answer. It's super cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I enjoy about it. And it's a lot of, it's like the motivation, uh, that you get when you see other people out having success or even helping them through their failures. Uh, I, I've also uh, enjoyed that and kind of maybe given examples where I've failed as well, just to be like, Hey man, this happens to everybody. <laughs> so uh, right. don't get too down on yourself. And I think we've had that in the group. And then the next thing you know, the person's going out and killing a deer and uh that's right and it's fun just to get to share those things uh with people that have invested in us oh yeah yeah and i just think it's really cool because everybody has had a chance to see me grow you you mentioned one of the reasons why i started this podcast and it was because i needed help um first off i like talking hunting and i talk more than anybody you probably know but uh on top of that I wanted the I wanted answers to my questions, and I thought, hey, if I've got these questions, someone else does. And you're right, man. I have grown a lot as uh, as a hunter from it, and it is really cool, uh, kind of data mining those patrons because people chime in with little tidbits and little little sayings that you may not consider before, and the next thing you know, you know your your mindset has shifted. I, I think back to Craig Croom when he was at Saddle Palooza, not Saddle Palooza. I'm sorry, the teaching train. And he's talking about pockets of deer and, you know, it was almost like there was an epiphany because all of the different data points that I had kind of came together and it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I've been trying to, to communicate is that, you know, the hunting here is difficult because you got a vast expanse of area that doesn't have deer and then a concentrated pocket that everybody's trying to get after. And it's just, it's awesome, man. I can't thank them enough, uh, for doing what they're doing for, for consistently, uh, contributing. It's it's amazing. And on that note, we've got a couple, actually, we've got one person we need to thank. We do this for every new patron that we get. Kevin Kelso, thank you for chiming in. He is just west of, of me here in town. Um, he's just west of, he's just west of me on the panhandle of Florida. And uh, he's been chiming in with a lot of questions. And whenever we have that new member that, that comes in, they're always, you know, bringing some, some neat questions in, some neat perspectives. And it's awesome. I think we've got a a diehard waterfowler. We've got a, an Oklahoma native that just gets after it in some really cold conditions. And he learned how to get permission this year and everybody brainstormed how to get him permission. It's just, I'm, I'm probably talking too long again, but I love that group. And I, and I adore everybody who, who supports the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same way, man. Uh, appreciate the support. And like I said, the investment uh, that they put into us is probably the most important thing. Uh, obviously they like what we're doing and one of the cool things that we get from our patrons is instant feedback, like on episodes or our YouTube videos or whatever we're doing. So uh, we love the instant feedback and any feedback that any of our listeners have on how we can make uh, the podcast better and how we can grow 
uh, within the podcast and our YouTube channel. That's right. Yeah. And, and they have driven a lot of love to YouTube and, you know, that's something we tried to invest heavily in this year and self-filming didn't really, (laughs) it didn't pay out as pay uh, the dividends we had hoped this year, but that's part of it. I mean, it's a learning curve. We're self-filmers. I think everybody knows that, that uh, sometimes things don't go right, but uh, man, it, this year has thrown us a, I mean, through everybody. It's not just us. I mean, obviously we start off this year, um, you know, going into turkey season with uh, a COVID shutdown. and um, But that, that created opportunities that allowed me to get my honeydew list done here at home and spend more time in the woods, more time than I've ever spent in any one season. And uh, I, I think we should kind of maybe go through the year and just kind of look at some of the awesome things that happened because – I shot my first two turkeys. I tagged out for the first time ever in anything. I have never, <laughs> ever in my life tagged out. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting at home reading books. I read the 10th Legion and turkey season comes and, and my next door neighbor happens to invest in me real heavily and helps me get on birds. And I shot two really nice toms. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Uh, it was kind of cool getting to see you out. Every day, pretty much, uh, of the season. You were going – I mean, you went out a lot. Um, yeah. I know at one point you're like, oh, yeah, I've been out, what, 18, 19 times. And I don't even think you've gone out 18, 19 times during a deer season, much less a, <laughs> uh, a turkey season. So, yeah. it was cool getting to see that. And, and we had the Marco Polo going, I think, at that point And getting to see some of that. And uh, just you being able to kind of, like, broaden your horizons in hunting because you had never really invested into turkey hunting that much. But this right. year you went all in uh, on turkey, and uh, it paid dividends for you uh, during the season because, I mean, you were able to bag two really good public land uh, turkeys. Yeah, yeah, and I darn near got it on film uh, on top of that. I almost got one of them on film. Um you know, I kept a journal as well from this spring, and it was 31 hunts. I got 31 hunts in in a, in a five-week season, and not all of those are morning hunts. Some of them are, you know, evening hunts after work, which is another added benefit. Um, but the cool thing there was I felt like, like you said, I normally don't hunt that often. If you really broke it down, it's a five-week season. I tend to hunt Saturdays, maybe Sundays if I'm lucky. And so I got, what, five seasons worth of hunting in basically right there? Right. I mean <laughs> – uh, and it was cool because the learning curve was shortened so drastically because of that immersion, um, that by the time I killed that second bird, now I know there's going to be a turkey hunter somewhere who's going to laugh when I say this, but by the time I killed that second bird at the very tail end of the season, I felt like I went in that morning and I told everybody I'm going in this spot. He's going to fly down here at this time. They're roosted over this water and I'm going to kill him. And I felt like I had called my shots. And it was really cool for the first time as an outdoorsman to feel that 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 sense of confidence that you you have that deep understanding of, of the animal you're going after. You've invested time in the area. And what a blessing to have five to six seasons worth of, of learning occur in such a brief period of time. I mean, I, I, blessed beyond all belief. Yeah, yeah. It, that was... That's what I, and that's what I tell people all the time is a lot of it's just time in the woods, investing the the time, and then you'll get, uh, you'll you'll get good returns on that investment at some point. And you absolutely you kept going and kept going, and you got a bird pretty early, and then stuck at it. And like you said, you you started learning uh the the woods better, what the turkeys were doing, and boom, you're able to to tag out for the first time ever. So. 
that was uh, that was awesome to see. I was glad to be a part of it. Um, my turkey season was like a was a struggle bus, kind of like my deer season <laughs> was. <laughs> um, it wasn't that I was necessarily struggling to get on birds. It was just when I was getting on birds. I, I've even had the same thing during this hunting season. It's just just on the wrong side of the fence, and uh, and sometimes your seasons, which I've learned, are going to kind of go that way. Um, sure. You're, and but you're just going to have to keep. You just keep going because you know at any point it, it could change. And uh, that's kind of what my whole year has kind of been is just basically determination and uh, knowing that you're you're doing the right things and eventually it's going to pay off. So I, I, yeah. I got one – I think I got one – I got my one turkey kind of like right at the tail end of the season uh, this yeah. year. <laughs> and uh, usually – I'm tagged out pretty early <laughs> on turkeys in Florida, <laughs> and uh, it just didn't didn't work that way um, this season. But uh, maybe it reminded me, and it kind of reminded me that hey, you didn't necessarily put in some of like the preseason scouting that you normally would. I kind of went into the season a little more relaxed and uh, figuring that hey, I'm just I'll be able to go out and get it done. And I think that by not putting investing some time in with some preseason scouting and things like that it, it kind of put me uh put me back a little bit and uh, it was and, but it's also good to just grind every now and then you know what i mean if you just go out sure. and kill two birds early every time you, you don't necessarily appreciate it as much and uh i think that you you can get a better appreciation for it sometimes when you have to put in the hard work and struggle and i think that's good uh a good thing for hunters from time to time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, I think it's also a testament to you as a, as an ethical hunter as well, because you had several opportunities. You could have shot a bird directly on the other side of a property line that, you know, that's, that's a man-made constructed barrier, right? The bird doesn't, <laughs> you know, know anything about. And, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you, the animal knows nothing about it. I mean, yeah. the very first, my very first turkey hunt, which was an afternoon hunt, uh, went out, went to uh i actually went to this fence line to glass i was just going to glass maybe try to roost some birds for in the morning and there was there's brush and trees and stuff all in the way and there's this one little opening and i stick my head out and there's a group of five toms with hens like 25 yards from me <laughs> you know what i mean and <laughs> yeah. i sit there and watch them i mean i tried to call them over to my side of the fence but uh, they weren't really having it and uh, so i just had to watch them go and i just kept I think part of my problem was is I just kept playing with those birds quite a bit during the season. I would get over in that area just hoping like, okay, maybe I'll get to call one of these birds. Maybe one of these birds will finally commit to coming over the fence. And mm -hmm. I think there was at least four or five dis different instances where they came right to the fence. Like literally I had them right at the fence and uh, they would just kind of look in my direction and uh, just never would commit. And I I'm no I've never been one – of the person to be like, Oh, well, nobody's watching. Nobody's going to know if I shoot this bird on the other side of the fence, uh, except me. And I don't want to have to think about that for the rest of my days anyways. And besides it being illegal and everything else. And, uh, I've just kind of always stuck to that. And I've, and heck I've gotten, I'll tell some certain people and they're like, why didn't you shoot that bird? Why didn't you shoot that bird? I'm like, well, it's not my bird to shoot. It's not my property. Right. And, uh, so, and I think, that and then at the end of the day they understand that i mean and it's not them that's on the line you know what i mean <laughs> right when, when they shoot that bird so of course it's easy for them to say oh you should have shot it and just say you shot it on this side of the fence well no <laughs> that's just that's not how i operate 
and uh, and anyways, and we're in a we we have a platform, so we're we're under the microscope whether we like to think it or not. So just because we have all these people that we are think support us and everything else, there's always going to be some people on that other side of the fence that are looking for you to do something wrong, so they can go, oh, I told you so, or I knew it, or something like that. So um, that's that's kind of always that's always going to be there. So I, I still uh, that's just the way I am. I'm try to be as ethical as I possibly can. So. Well, and you're not doing it for food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you were, if you were, it's still illegal, but it's a different set of situation. If you were, you know, homeless and, and trying to provide for yourself or jobless rather, you know, it would be a different situation, but you're not. And right. so to a certain degree, the, those rules matter even more so because, you know, I, I think it, Aldo Leopold was the person who said ethical behavior is doing the right thing when no one else is watching. Um, you know, it doesn't matter that much, right? Like it, pride doesn't enter the equation. You've got more opportunities. I mean, it's, if it's not a chase for, 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 uh, you know, a lack of barriers, then it's just, you know, it's just killing. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you maintain that, that, that tenant even going into deer season when you had your, you know, one of your target bucks sitting <laughs> within, you know, video camera distance, what was it? 15 yards to your, to your left. Yeah. Yeah. Between 10 and 15 yards. Yeah, and he's just sitting there staring at you. And I mean, I think I think if people were honest, I think there's probably a fair amount of people that would have thought or maybe attempted to to drop him in his tracks and uh, you know drag him across that line pretty quick. I, oh it, yeah, it hurt my heart to to see the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's the same thing with that deer. I mean, you have people that are. I mean, you have some people like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you for not doing that. That's that. Yeah. And then you have some that are like, oh man, you should have shot that thing and said you shot it on that <laughs> side of the fence and everything and i'm like well i was like i just don't want to have to deal with that i mean this is a deer that i've was been chasing for three years and if i kill him and i mean he's a deer that i want to mount i mean a deer that i would mount and put on my wall i don't want to have to look at that deer for the rest of my life knowing that i shot it on the other side of the fence you know what i mean like right he i I, the way i looked at it i mean i saw him i didn't even come close to grabbing for my gun or anything i'm like well he's on this this other side of this fence and, uh, and all I said to myself was like, Hey, he won today. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, the deer are going to win most of the time. So you just have to look at it like that. Like, Hey, he won today. Uh, I still got plenty of opportunities to, to get back out here and, uh, and then to where I have a chance of winning. So that that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the chase. So, I mean, you know, if we if we flash forward to to deer season, um, actually, you know what? Come to think of it, in both seasons, I drew blood first, which is uh, anybody who's who's followed the podcast that tells you just how weird twenty twenty is. It'll never <laughs> happen again. But uh, both deer yeah. and, and and turkey season, I drew blood first. But uh, man, you you had a heck of an up and down year, unlike anybody I know, where. If it could go wrong, it probably did on a lot of really nice big deer, um, but but it, but you overcame all of that for 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 your current personal best. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, interesting season to say the least. Uh, like I've mentioned before, there were a lot of firsts for me during a season of things that could go wrong <laughs> that haven't gone wrong for me right. in the past. I mean, uh, the first day I get an e-bike, take it out, go out to the woods, and sh- I shot a deer. Uh, hit him high, knew I'd hit him high, pretty much knew it was an, a non-lethal shot uh, from the get-go. Still put in the effort to try to find it. I mean, I had several people uh, come out and uh, help me look for the deer. 
and uh, pretty much came to the collusion. It was one of those high shoulder hits. That's a non-lethal hit. And get home, check my bow. I mean, I was like, well, let me check my bow. And I never even thought about looking at the rest until after I shot my bow in the backyard and the arrow goes sailing over the uh, buck target that was out there. And look at the rest. It's canned like 45 <laughs> degrees or something. Didn't your arrow explode like you hit something? And oh, yeah, I hit, I hit like a fen- the fence behind it, and the arrow just explodes. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I look down at my thing, and, like, my, my rest isn't touching – my rest isn't flat or perpendicular um, with the riser there. And I'm like, oh, something's wrong here. And I look at it, I'm like, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I, I, I attribute it to getting off of the e-bike because I forgot to bring, like, a harness to carry my bow in. So I'm holding my bow in my left hand and trying to hold the handlebars and everything else. And I remember trying to get off the bike at one point, and I kind of tugged on the bow. Like, I was like, oh, I went to pull it off, and then I was like, what was that? And then it kind of broke free, and never once did I go, oh, maybe I should check my bow <laughs> while I'm in the stand, <laughs> um, which which I learned something. That was something I learned this year is that, hey, maybe – sometimes I kind of take for granted of just going everything's on. You know what I mean? And right. there's ways you can check your stuff. I mean, a lot of people mark their – uh, stuff on their bow with like a white marker or something to go okay yep. everything li- everything's lined up I should be uh, good to go and that kind of start and th- this was this was a really and the other thing the, this was a really good public land buck for Florida <laughs> and I mean that was like even more insult to uh, injury is it was a, it was a really really good buck uh, probably not as good as the one I shot last year but still a really good buck and. Sure. It kind of went, I went in into, went through that and then never really, I mean, I had some opportunities at shooting some deer with my bow, um, after that, but, and, and before that, but just none of them were, none of them were something that I wanted to shoot. Uh, and I had that one big buck that we put on the YouTube of, uh, being within 10 yards of me for 15 minutes and never could get a shot on them. Um, so, so that was, a. Uh, that was interesting. I, I never really had a deer that close to me before that long and not being able to get a shot <laughs> on the deer. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I was like, man, cause normally if they're coming through <laughs> or they're kind of feeding it, it's not, I mean, he just sat there and fed and kind of worked a scrape and all kinds of stuff right there in front of me. And, uh, I mean, I had the wind in my advantage. I think that was pretty much the thing that saved me the most is that the, the wind was my advantage. Didn't, it wasn't able to get a shot off on him, went through both seasons, start, muzzleloader season I had switched from I used to use the uh, pellets to where I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to the loose powder uh the blackhorn 209 and get a buck have my uh camera out I have everything going for me and this buck comes out of the woods walks walks out in front of me I stop him grunt at him he stops perfect uh pull the trigger on the muzzleloader and just get a loud pap and some little bit of smoke from the primer cap. And of course the buck like looks at me and like, what, what was that? And I'd already grunted at him too. So he was already on alert from that. And he just decides, okay, I'm going to turn, which I wouldn't have been able to shoot him anyways, even if I got another primer. Once I figured there was something happened with a powder where it wasn't in the, it was a weird deal. I don't know how even like physics or scientifically that the powder was not (laughs) on the uh, breech plug, but I went home Shot, tried to shoot it like three different times with different primers, wouldn't go off, took the breech plug out, and then there's no powder on the breech plug, and then I kind of turned the gun over, and then all the powder comes running out of the gun. And I'm like, 
uh, okay, I, I, don't, I really don't know how that happened. But <laughs> I have no idea. So, <laughs> so I've already, like I said, hit a deer, um, non-lethal shot on a deer, pulled the trigger with my muzzleloader, <laughs> and nothing happens. First time that it ever happened to me. Like, I'd always use pellet, and I'd always heard of some people having malfunctions with their muzzleloaders. And I was like, man, I've never had a malfunction with my muzzleloader. And I've shot a bunch of deer with my muzzleloader just oh, because yeah. that's generally the best time to be in the woods where I'm at. And uh, I was like, well, I guess uh, never is not a word that you need to ha- have in your dictionary <laughs> when it comes to hunting. Because if you <laughs> hunt long enough, it's eventually, something eventually is going to happen um, to you. So that happened and um, a few other mishaps here and there. And then the whole off season, I'm excited because I'm going to Iowa. And I'm thinking, and I, you know, you're going to Iowa, you have these dreams, oh, I'm going to kill this Boone and Crockett buck with my bow <laughs> in Iowa. <laughs> And then just get kind of thrown a bunch of curveballs while I'm out in, like, probably the warmest weather they've had in the last, whatever, 25 years or something. Or who who knows how long in Iowa. The guy there's like, the weather's never been like this the first week of November. Highs in the, like, <laughs> mid to high 70s every day. Um, and some, some of the way, like, the corn still being up. Just all kinds of things that could have uh, kind of gone against you uh, in a hunt. And... Uh, don't don't come home with anything uh, from Iowa, and I still had had some of the bucks, and I all of my a couple of the bucks on my private part our private places had uh, had still made it, and uh, so I was like, well, I guess that's going to be my goal the rest of the season is to try to get on uh, one of these deer, and uh, I just kept plugging along, so just just mm-hmm. kept plugging along, kept getting intel, and uh, was finally able to uh, make it happen. And, uh, and then after killing that deer, I was, I've kind of been kind of like on cruise control since then, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I mean, yeah, he was my personal best deer, uh, which is awesome. And I, and c- currently I don't have anything on camera or anything like that bigger than him. I also, I have that one deer that I was on the other side of the fence that we talked about, uh, that I've, I've kind of been after. Um, but I mean, he's kind of not a very patternable deer. Uh, so um, but yeah, it was, it was great to get him. And, uh, like I said, I, I kind of been on cruise control since then. Like, ah, maybe I'll go today. Maybe I won't. Uh, I want to sleep in today. <laughs> so, uh, I haven't been as motivated to get out after, after all that happened, but I still have been out several times since then. But, um, but yeah, it was a, uh, sh- kind of a struggle bus this year for me, uh, all together. Um, except for, one of the things that I think we need to mention is uh, the yakking for Bash Challenge that we had this year oh, as yeah. well. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that we, like, really look forward to uh, every year. And uh, I, I still was able to become first of the creators in the yakking for Bash <laughs> Challenge. So if one thing went right for me this year, it was the yakking for Bass <laughs> that's right. uh, Challenge. I didn't really struggle in that. But uh, that that's always a good time. and everybody that gets involved and, and helps give back to whatever fu- charity or whatever we're trying to uh, give to that year. And uh, that's also something that we really appreciate is when people support us and take part in something that we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, we raised an unprecedented amount of money this year. I think we doubled memory serves me. I think we doubled what we raised the previous year and it just blows my mind that our our small platform can, can raise that kind of money. Cause considering we really aren't much of a fishing platform, you know, it's, it's a lot of people recognizing the good that we're doing and, and choosing to support us. I know people were borrowing kayaks and borrowing canoes and, um, 
I think we're probably going to do that again this year, and uh, we're, the, the planning for that will probably start real soon. Um, probably it's going to have to as fast as this year has gone by. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, dude, that was an absolute blast. And i tell you what, man, the, the, the best part about that is I, I crave competition in my life, and there's just enough in there But among the creators who contribute, the smack talking that occurs and – uh, you know, last last ditch sandbagging that 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 will have to be reviewed for the upcoming year. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's it's so much fun. I, I yeah. adore that yakking for bass challenge. Yeah, it's fun and it kind of helps pass the time because it's kind of that in between yeah. time between turkey season and when you need to start getting prepped for deer season. Um, right, and uh, I, I think it's it's a good filler for that time and uh, it goes to a good cause. And uh, we get to uh, interact with uh, a lot more people during that time. And, uh, heck, we uh, got to meet up with quite a few people to go fishing. Uh, so that was fun as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, we got to meet up. You and I got to, to spend an evening uh, uh, fishing out there. And uh, it wasn't the whopper plopper. What lure was it that had you dang near cussing? Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> It was, it's a little frog with like a paddle tail on the end of it. Yeah, Springer. It was the Spr- Sprinker. 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 That's what it was. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes. I have, if you if you want to see someone who who is uh, fiercely competitive himself lose his mind when he loses multiple solid fish, uh, <laughs> Chase Chase bout dang near chucked every Sprinker frog he had into the lake. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't caught a fish on that frog. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the hooks or I'm doing something wrong or what it is, I but I know one thing: it definitely, uh, and it definitely will cause fish to strike at your bait. It, they may not oh, yeah. take it, but you will definitely get. I mean, it just the the thing with that bait, and uh, it just like you mentioned that night, it just sounds juicy on the water. I mean, it oh, just yeah. sounds <laughs> like a fish is. And sure enough, I mean, I had quite a few blow ups that night, and. Uh, not much to show for it, and then I finally switched over to the ribbit frog and was able to catch a fish <laughs> that night. Yeah, but yeah, if I could ever figure that thing out, look out. That was that was interesting. We're gonna figure that out. I'm gonna probably this spring start playing with it because I read where people were like, I bend the hooks out a little bit further, and because it kind of comes through the pads on top, everything real nice, and so we're gonna we're gonna tinker with it because that's that is hands down. Uh, my favorite way to catch frogs is on that top water. I don't know anybody who who doesn't like catching fish on top water. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had uh, quite a few of my fish were like I said they were on the whopper plopper. Um, caught quite a few fish on the whopper plopper uh, when I went down to. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely when I went down to Fellsmere with uh, Adam Glass and Nick Chandler. Uh, that's how we got to meet up with those guys, and they've been real good yep. friends of the podcast uh, ever since. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Uh, Nick was just up here uh, chasing whitetails, and we pulled some cameras together, and I did my best to put them on deer. Unfortunately, none of my trail cameras had anything worth pursuing, but uh, he had a good time doing it. But that kind of goes back to the community, man. Like this podcast has opened up doors. You know, it, it satisfies our curiosity. It, it connects us with people who have a similar passion. And let's face it, it's hard sometimes to find somebody who's ate up and willing to wade in a swamp when it's 80, 90 degrees or, you know, deal with really cold weather. And, you know, the <laughs> floor boys aren't, you know, there's not a, a big, very uh, thick layer of fat on us. So, you know, a cold front comes through, a lot of people are going to sit in and uh, you know, Nick and Adam are dudes who are ate up with it. They get after it. And, and, you know, Andy Thompson, another dude who, you know, in the community that we've made, 
uh, friends with who's invested in us and, and vice versa. And it's, it's awesome, man. I, I love this podcast. I really do. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great community. And the, the hard part is, is you get so many invites and things to do with people. You just don't yeah. have time to do it all. <laughs> it's I mean, true. some of these hunts are like, Hey, where are you going to go hunt next year? And then you have like all the kind of these options that you could do. And you're kind of like, I, I don't even know at this point, like I'm, I'm kind of stuck, like trying to figure out, all right, well, what can I get in, uh, in a season right. and still be able to do all of my normal stuff? Uh, that, that I'm already doing right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to this starting this next year, mainly because I'll find at, at the end of spring, I'll finally be done with my degree that I've been working on for like the last three <laughs> years <laughs> trying to finish up. So uh, I'll officially be a Gator grad, which uh, probably you're not happy about, but <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I'll finally be a Gator graduate. Um, with my uh, degree, and I'll be able to focus more on stuff for the podcast, YouTube, sure, uh, things like that. So uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, finishing that up. This, uh, this yeah, I know spring. absolutely. I mean, I, you know, as everybody knows, this is not our full time job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and and uh, I look forward to, and I think in the coming years, like you said, when your schoolwork's done and my flexibility changes, and as the podcast grows and our ability to do things start to change. I, I look forward to you and I being able to do more hunts together. You know, we got one coming up. Um, you know, we're going to be chasing the, the, the late January rut here in Florida together for, for several days. Um, you know, I, I look forward to, you know, some of those videos that we'll get, be able to, to do during turkey season where we're both together because the, the dynamic whenever you have a cameraman and a person is always so much better, you know, and, and that community shows through in the video and, um, you know, we're, we're making steps towards going in that direction, both you getting done with your school and, and, uh, people, people tuning into the channel and joining Patreon and driving people to YouTube. I mean, we're, we're nipping at the heels at being able to, to create some really nice content for you guys. And this year kind of gave us a foundation for that. We figured out setups, dude, you got to, you got into self-filming, uh, it, it kind of, you know, didn't play out the way you wanted it to, but you learned a lot. I think, you know, you figured your setup out and, um, you know, got familiar with it. You had to get a different pack. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I probably haven't invested as much like in the later season, mainly because I know rifles super hard <laughs> and some of this, especially in Florida. And, uh, I, and the, I kind of regret not having my camera. Well, I think, I think my battery or something was weird with my camera the day that I actually shot that big buck, of course. Um, and, and of course he's at 10 yards <laughs> or whatever he was <laughs> when, when I, when I, when I shot him. So, uh, and then even on the shot with, uh, the buck on public, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to, it was super foggy that morning, morning, crazy foggy. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait to take my camera out. Cause I, I figured it was, I was like, it's just going to fog up, uh, the range finders, everything were messing up, uh, that morning as well. And, uh, of course, about the time I'm ready to get my camera out, that's when the buck comes out. And, uh, so yeah, it, it was a good, uh, a learning curve this year. Hopefully, uh, next year, uh, I'll have my setup more dialed in and, uh, hopefully I can get some good, uh, footage and, uh, content next year, uh, for the, for the YouTube channel. Um, I look forward to doing that. And like I said, I look forward to being able to go and hunt together some and maybe filming for yeah. each other. Cause I mean, especially during Turkey season, uh, self-filming for turkeys is probably, I don't know how many, how much harder than it is killing deer. I'm sure it's a thousand times harder. 
uh, it's than, agonizing than uh, trying to film a deer. So uh, I look forward to all those things uh, coming up in 2021. And we talked about my deer season, but we didn't. We kind of went back to the yakking for bass thing. But you had you've had a great season. Um, you, you know, I'm not used to having good seasons, so I for, totally forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot that there was something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you, you've had your best season since you've been in Florida, for sure. I don't know oh. about prior to Florida, but you've definitely had your best <sighs> Florida season for the most part, I would say. Um, you had a little yeah. time there where you, you hunted some private land uh, when you first got here, but definitely for public, and you kind of expanded your range uh, this year. So why don't you talk about that some? Yeah, you know, I think I, it. I, I looked back several times now, and I've thought, you know, is this my best season? And I think it kind of has. It's up there. I mean, I I'm almost willing to say uh, entirely that this is my best season, just because um, even even if I've had better seasons in the past, from a, you know, I think I've had a couple seasons where I've shot five or six deer, but. Um, you know, I got my, my personal best gun, you know, back in November, uh, I got drawn for a lottery hunt and, uh, you know, put in a lot of, uh, scouting the year before implemented trail cameras, which was, you know, something that Jake Bush talked about on the podcast and several guests, you know, uh, um, Mr. Stovall talked about how he utilizes trail cameras to find good areas and invested in that in the off season bought, like, I don't know, dude, I think I had to have bought like seven trail cameras this year. And uh, to, to, to be able to implement that, identify an area, get drawn for that hunt. I had uh, a beautiful Florida eight point come in at 50 yards and uh, freehanded the shot, dropped him in his tracks and, and, and didn't get that on camera because, you know, things go wrong. But, uh, um, you know, it, it was an awesome year. And I started off during bow season, started hunting Georgia, which, you know, I keep making the connections. You know, we had John Eberhart come on, I think in May-ish. Yep. And he's talking about how, you know, he doesn't even hunt close to his house, that he's just completely eliminated areas nearby. And he sometimes has to drive, I think, memory serves, didn't he say like an hour and a half? Like he drives an hour and a half to his closest spot? Yeah, yeah. I remember him talking, some of his good yeah. spots were a couple hours away. Right. And so you and I are sitting here in the off season and my oak, my oak hunt got canceled. So I had, you know, that pot of money to do something with it. And uh, we, we kind of, you know, put our heads together and I said, dude... Georgia's right across the border. Like, let's go see what that public land looks like. And I went up there and did a lot of scouting. Andy Thompson helped me out. Bo Lease helped me out uh, and pointed me in the right direction. And uh, dropped the $400 this year for an out-of-state license. Um, and good Lord, opening weekend, shoot a spike. Um, did, didn't recover it because the debacle there. It's in a past episode. But shot a shot a spike got it on trail camera it lived to tell the story but uh uh had an awesome hunt in mid-december where you know almost almost got a buck up there as well and i mean it's just this season she went to southeast georgia to a to a, a w may have never set foot on before and in a matter of three days kill a doe and, and could have killed countless hogs as well i mean it's just one of those deer seasons where it felt like you know through people investing in me through my curiosity of having guests on the podcast and a little bit of luck mixed in it, I feel like from a, at least from a public land standpoint, but I think as a hunter, as a whole, I, I genuinely feel like I kind of turned a corner in, in what I was able to do. I was able to put all these pieces together by talking to all these awesome people. Um, I, I've been able to benefit from that both in the Turkey woods and the, and the deer woods. And, uh, man, to, to have four encounters with deer this year, 
two two really good bucks. I mean, just the other day, I was thirty minutes on the trail camera. I don't. This story hasn't even. This is such a new story. No one's even heard this one. But uh, I go up to Southwest Georgia on a gun hunt, and as I'm walking to a ridge, there's a bedding area at the fa- at the end of this finger. I'm walking up, and the wind is blowing right down into that bedding area, which is where I, I thought all the does and the deer would be. And turns out they were. And I thought, okay, back off, observe from afar, wait for the wind to shift when the sun comes up, and then get up there. Again, knowledge that I've learned through talking to people, you know, listening to podcasts. Um, and made the right call because at 7.01, here comes a really nice, and Chase, you can correct me if I'm exaggerating, but he's a wall hanger of a deer for me. Um, at least an eight point comes right by the camera at 7.01 as I'm waiting for the wind to shift at 7.15 is when I, I looked down and saw and saw the you know the wind started to shift the sun was coming up I make my way up up the final approach and triggered the camera at uh, 7:31 so I mean I was like right nipping on the heels like I'm starting to feel like I'm putting that game plan together where I can kind of start to anticipate where the deer are coming from kind of kind of dangerously similar to turkey season where I, towards the end I started feeling like I was starting to figure them out on that property and um, you know, to have that many encounters, to have two deer in the freezer, still some turkey in the freezer, and the potential to, you know, still got a month, let's say, a, you know, five weeks of the best part of my season ahead of me, I, man, I could not be happier with the way that this year turned out. Yeah, yeah, it, it's been a great uh, season for you. It's been great being able to kind of uh, help you out some and be there and being able to encourage you and then all of your hard work paying off. I mean, that's been probably yeah. the best part is you've actually put in hard work this off season and uh, during the season. And I've even had several people kind of mention to me that it's like, hey, man, it looks like Walter's really putting in the work this year. Like he, he's getting <laughs> after it. And I'm like, yeah, he is. I'm like, uh, I think he's kind of figured that out some is about how much hard work you actually have to put in uh, to get on deer, especially public land deer in uh, Florida and even moving on to a different area of Georgia and things like that. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got a lot of hard work to put in, uh, to be able to get on uh deer and try to figure things out. And, uh, I think you're starting to see the, uh, the fruits of your labor. It, it, it has been a wonderful year and it has fed a desire for me to work harder. I'm probably going to take February and focus on finding some turkeys, but, um, dude, I mean, come the end of Turkey season or during Turkey season while I'm hunting, if you think I'm not going to be dropping cameras and looking for fresh sign, I mean, this year I'm going to work even harder. I see the efforts. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Hard hard work pays off. I mean, you hear that from – doesn't matter what, what it is, hunting, uh, college football, uh, anything, uh, business, anything. Hard work pays off. So I think that can be applied to pretty much anything you do and that you want to be successful in is to put in that uh, sweat equity. That's right. And uh, I think we've even seen that through some of our, uh, like, even the patrons and things like that, Um, just the amount of hard work that they've been putting in this year. And and some of them haven't been successful yet, but I feel like they're just on the verge of being successful, and then others have. So it's been real good to see. Yep. And and – <clears throat> there have been several places I put in a lot of effort and not been successful. I think some of the areas that I scouted the most this year, I have more or less not hunted just because it didn't, I didn't get the return on it that I thought, but the return isn't always killing a deer. Sometimes that return is simply eliminating a piece and saying, this doesn't suit what I'm looking for and I'm moving on. And, um, I, I think that's, that can be equally as valuable eliminating ground Dan infault talks all the time 
about how, his style of hunting, when he's applying his style of hunting, there might be one or two places where on a, an entire piece of, of public that he'll hunt and the rest of it just isn't suitable to his style of hunting. So he moves on and I've kind of had to let go of some areas. So, um, but yeah, deer season in summary has been, this has been hands down my best deer season. And honestly, I feel like it's really set me up for, uh, really being excited about next year because <clears throat> not just the success, but the places I've gone to and the, the additional sign that I've seen or the entire lack of hunting pressure on some of these parcels, um, has been unreal. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And there's a chance that in January, uh, you guys are going to hear a success story from, you know, the rest of the season. Cause we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 We still have the, uh, I mean, even where I'm at, we still have a month left of season, even down here. I think it ends January 24th. So still got, uh, one deer that I'm definitely after. And, uh, and then who knows, maybe a surprise buck <laughs> in there, uh, as well. And then, uh, hopefully coming up and, uh, hunt with you as well. So we still got plenty of, uh, deer season left. So where most of the country is going to be done come basically January 1st, <laughs> we'll still be uh, getting after it. Absolutely, man. Well, I think maybe we could end this year in review now. I think we've kind of hit everything that we've wanted to do. Hopefully we've got uh, some success stories coming your way from, from the panhandle of Florida, maybe some southwest Georgia hunting as well. And uh, cold fronts are coming. It's going to be 23 degrees where uh, this weekend where I'm going, which is, uh, for a Florida boy, abysmally cold. I can't wait, though. It gets me really excited. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, guys, if you enjoy this podcast – I'm so happy to hear that. I really am. Do us a favor. Uh, tell somebody about it. Help us grow through word of mouth. Uh, that's how we grow is people find us by you guys sharing it. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell somebody about it. And if you got you know suggestions, questions, shoot us a message. If there are topics you want to be heard next year, let us know. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> give away any details right now, but I can tell you we've got some really amazing things planned for 2020. Chase and I probably will record a podcast about that during our January hunt and tell you about everything that we've got coming. But Chase, I think it's safe to say right now, the the quarter one giveaway for next year is really going to be a, uh, it's going to hit home with some people. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, quarter one and we're fixing to do quarter four giveaway. Uh, we haven't, That's right. we haven't done that yet. And uh, I think that it's, it's a great, it's some great pieces. I mean, you get some scree gear, uh, base layers, uh, you get the Alps pack, and then some goodies thrown in the pack uh, to go along That's with right. it. And, uh, Titan straps. Yep, the Titan yep. straps. You but. featured those on a video. Um, those are those are some really cool straps and versatile straps that you can use for a lot of things that you'll do in the woods. And, uh, yeah, the, the first quarter will be, uh, I think it's going to be an awesome giveaway. So I'm looking forward to uh, announcing that uh, in the new year. That's right. That's right. Well, guys. Let's leave it at that. We will see you on the flip side. This will be the last episode for 2020 for us, but we will see you on the other side in starting 2021. And I cannot wait to see what that year has in store for us. So until next time, no matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.